0: Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. As always, I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ. And I'm Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. We've got a big show lined up for you tonight. We're going to start with a recap of the Hungarian Grand Prix. And as a Mercedes fan, it was definitely a tale of two days for me. On Saturday, Lewis nabbed P1 by three one-thousandths of a second, but then didn't even hold it through the first turn on Sunday. So definitely some ups and downs for me.
1: Yeah, I thought as an Aussie, really good to see Oscar, you know, up at the front, Danny Rick's return to the grid too, obviously a lot to be said about that, it's better or for worse. And for those of you that were tuning in um, last week, uh, a few different things to talk to later on in the piece. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to rip into this one. Great.
0: After that, we'll get into how our teams fared in Hungary. And then start setting up what I think is the biggest fantasy week of the season so far with the Belgian Grand Prix preview. We'll end tonight with our Fan Amp picks of the week and give you a sense of where our lineups are headed going into this weekend.
1: I think there's just so much at stake this week as well, as you mentioned, Adam. So, I mean, we'll get into this in probably more detail throughout the show. But I, um, I'm very excited, but also very cautious with what could happen with so much I guess, emphasis placed on McLaren and what that could mean for our fantasy teams. For sure. And
0: starting off with McLaren, a great week again for them. We had said on this show last week, a little bit nervous for them going from a faster track to a slow technical track. But really in free practice, they put those concerns to ease right away.
1: Yeah, I think there was some skepticism around whether or not the car would fare well in those kind of slower speed corners and that Aston Martin would potentially kind of reap the benefit of their car setup, that kind of higher downforce setup. Uh, but, um, you know, unfortunately for Aston Martin and fortunately for the Papaya, they, uh, the, the men in orange continue that rich form and, you know, it, they've pretty much looked the goods for the last three weeks now that it's a no-brainer to get them into your teams, I think.
0: Yeah, you see Lando with his second straight P2 and his first broken trophy of the year. So great outing from Lando. And the McLaren Constructor now has 25 points just from fastest pit stops alone. It just looks like they're a freight train right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm considering the Constructor over having both of the drivers is just the the bonus that you see in pit stops. Red Bull, obviously really known for, you know, that, that consistency and getting the car kind of out within two and a half seconds. But McLaren's, I think, a force to be reckoned with. And if you can pocket 10, you know, 15, or sometimes even 18 points, which Red Bull have done a couple of times this season, that's uh, obviously a huge bonus if you've got McLaren on your side too. For sure. And it took a sub
0: two second pit stop from Red Bull just to knock them off from their third straight fastest pit stop win. And fun fact is the six fastest pit stops in F1 history are all owned by Red Bull.
1: There you go. As far as value is concerned and speed and increases in performance, I think we can focus on price rises as well. Like it's ridiculous how much Lando has flown up. I mean, Oscar and McLaren, two, one and a half. But three million over three races is borderline unprecedented, I think, through this season. I think the exception to the rule might be a couple of the Aston Martin guys, maybe Red Bull earlier in the season when prices came through after Canada. But, I mean, this is bonkers how much you know good form has contributed to budgetary increases for a lot of players. For sure. And you can see the ownership
0: rates on the right. Not a lot of players have invested in McLaren yet, so it's not too late. Those that have have reaped some pretty serious benefits to this point but you can see they're still a pretty under-owned asset for how much they've been coming along over the last three races
1: yeah definitely i think also as well i've talked about this a little bit i think you have as well like the the it's almost a differential even at 12 15 percent in a game of 30 assets to have someone as low owned as oscar at 15 percent. if he has as he has in the last couple of races some really good weekends you know you're seeing ranks halve in one weekend you know, we've both kind of done really well the last week with McLaren, people who have been tripled up on them have probably gone from in some cases, you know, 100,000 plus into like top 10,000. So, you know, I think it goes to show how valuable having at least two McLarens and certainly the constructor is um, with what we're seeing at the moment from the performance of the, the, the Orange. So now going from the highest of highs to the lowest
0: of lows, it was a miserable afternoon for Alfa Romeo and Alpine. There was that first lap incident. Joe had some sort of failure in his car, dropped all the way back, approached turn one, ran into the back of Ricardo, who went into Ocon, who went into Gasly, led to a double DNF for Alpine. Then going back to Joe, he received a five-second penalty after dropping to the bottom of the grid. It's just a miserable day for all of them.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do feel bad for Alfa because of how well they were driving on, on Saturday, like we just saw something that hasn't been present lately and getting all the way into to Q3 I and mean, Bottas it's been well documented. Certainly last week with the, the fuel sample failure, the, the DQ there. And then after the first couple of races, he's been pretty rotten. And Joe, as I think I tweeted about, probably heard that people were shipping him out for Ricardo and other budget drivers and put in a stellar performance on Saturday. So, I mean, Do you think they're due for, I guess, a rebound based on what we saw on Sunday? Or is this the same old Alfa Romeo?
0: (laughs) I think it's a tale of two drivers for Alfa Romeo. Joe has been the most consistent budget driver this year. He mostly gets his points from overtakes. It was a low overtake week last week. So I think Joe can only get better from here. Botas has struggled, I think because his PPM has been so low, not a lot of people have been running him. So I would continue to keep Botas on the radar, but not on your team's yeah and in, sorry in the case of joe he's only the third driver this year to lose 10 plus points from positions lost so it was a really really dreadful day not something he'll repeat soon i think
1: no no i think he still remains you know one of the better short term assets at that price point um, it's you know still quite a small selection of folks under or around 5 million so you know if you're looking for consistency he's probably you know, one of the best options in that price bracket. Um, hopefully you can turn it around, you know, with a new a new livery this weekend in uh, in Belgium. I don't know about you,
0: but I am not a fan of the new livery for Alpha. It looks like the classic Alpha that's been painted by Nickelodeon.
1: Well, I mean, hopefully that's not a sign of uh, them getting slimed on on the racetrack come, come Sunday because it could, yeah hope, hopefully not spell too much trouble for them but i guess we'll have to wait and see the the green almost reminds me of the, the i'm not even sure what the technical term is but the the paint that they have on the cars in pre-season testing to understand ah, like have the, a flow the, aerodim- the aerodynamics yeah so in
0: alpine just a really awful week for them this is their second straight double dnf week Ocon now leads all drivers in dnfs just a complete mess for alpine but they do have the pace they do have seasoned drivers with enough success in f1 that they should rebound i just can't trust them between now and seeing a run of success
1: yeah i agree i agree i think as far as uh rebounds and um building up to something big the the alpha tower guys as well uh, are another team i've got my eye on from i guess a fantasy perspective um there's a lot of kind of suspense around you know ricardo and and Sonoda, and I think hopefully we'll uh, we'll see something from them um, this coming this coming weekend. So I think um, yeah, you know um, Yuki and and Ricardo were probably like my ones I've got my eye on as far as like a budget driver is concerned because I think um, you know they're very much. at that price point where we're trying to fiddle for um you know a slot that you can obviously accommodate the rest of your team so I don't know I mean five points in in um, Hungary not great for the budget group but we'll we'll have to wait and see right and the moment of truth on the show last week
0: Rob had bet us that if Danny Rick one driver of the day he would have given us that Aussie chant on the show tonight unfortunately Danny Rick wasn't even in the top three I know I voted I saw Rob voted I hope all of you did too but Rob you live to see another day
1: yeah I do I do I mean the champ wouldn't have been the worst thing if he had an extra 10 points but um you know there's and I think we'll, we'll, we'll get into the the highest stakes uh you know throughout the season as, as each race goes by but I think for for one of I guess the ongoing bets is if if we see an Aussie on the podium um, in Belgium, I'll, I'll replicate Danny Rick's tradition of doing a shui on, at least on stream. It's not that he does them on stream, but I'll, I'll promise you a, a shui on stream if we see Oscar or Danny on the on the podium in Belgium. But I mean, that's not fantasy talk. We want to get into too much at the moment.
0: <laughs> I'm in for it. I I think that'll be that'll be great if if he can pull that off or Oscar too. And to talk about Ricardo's day a little bit more. I was really impressed by the stint he did on those medium tires, 40 laps, more than half the race. I think that's how he rebounded from that first lap contact into regaining that P13 position. And you can see here, Ricardo was a quarter of a second per lap faster than Sonoda. So despite the contact, despite not being on the grid in in competition all year, he's coming out of the shoot pretty hot
1: yeah i think it's a really good sign um there was some you know skepticism around whether or not he'd be able to match yuki from the outset he's done exactly that and more and i mean as you mentioned you know if it wasn't for that first lap contact it definitely would have been in points contention i really hope we see a few more races where he's able to kind of stick that out for tarry um around kind of like p10 p11 and give it every chance of securing points because only two points through the first 12 races isn't exactly encouraging even though they are probably the worst car on the grid so really hoping that if Danny strings together a couple of really good performances we we won't just see you know points from him but also probably a value increase as well which I think is probably needed four and a half for someone of his caliber is a little on the cheap side in my opinion I'm hoping we can time it right that we
0: we pick Danny Rick on that week that he gets the much needed price increase for sure Now let's talk about how our teams fared in Hungary. We ran the exact same team and we started with the same team and on separate occasions made the exact same swap on Saturday and ended with the same teams. It was a a good day for us, but um, I I think it could have been a little bit better had we had the guts to run the McLaren.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest kind of mistake looking back at last week and i probably won't make the same mistake two weeks in a row, was if I went for the Constructor last week, I would have needed Hulkenberg at that budget slot. I think there was a lot I talked about, you and I both, around Danny Rick's driver of the day, potential, um, and kind of that, that value increase as well that we were expecting. Obviously, neither of which eventuated, and as a result, I cheaped myself out of going for McLaren, which was obviously a big mistake because of the haul they had. So I think from what we've seen the last couple of races, Pit stops as we mentioned before and um covering you know one of the other drivers assuming you don't have triple mclaren is you know a a no-brainer for me um so aston martin is first asset on my chopping block heading into belgium
0: and i want to make note too of how our world rankings improved this week we saw earlier how few teams ran any mclarens at all just by having the two drivers on our lineup, we basically cut our rankings in half. I was at 31,000 going down to 18,000. Rob went from 16,000 to 8,000. So you can see just by having one or two McLarens in, it's going to really improve your ranking.
1: Yeah, definitely. The differentials as, as we mentioned before, and I think you'll see a lot of those zombie teams or players that have lost interest through the first kind of five, 10 races really fall behind and those engaged managers will absolutely kind of soar up the ranks when you're piling in on two or three McLaren assets that are all owned under 25%. So definitely expect um, some some big results, some big rank swings in Belgium. Um, And we'll obviously cover chips and such later on. But I definitely think this is one of, if not the highest stake race from a fantasy perspective so far this season.
0: And I just want to finish with a, a discussion on the price gains. Our team's gained $3.9 million, mostly through the two McLaren drivers, but I was intrigued by Checo; He gained $1 million in value this one week, which is the same as what he's increased the previous nine races. So nine races before this, he totaled a $1 million increase,
1: $1 million just from this race alone. It's, it's perplexing to me because we had 51 after... Um, well, in Austria, and we we saw like a, a price increase, not even close to what we've just seen last weekend. So, I don't know who's behind um, the price adjustments. There's got to be something in in the way of um, modelling or just the logic. Uh, but I think, I, I mean, yeah, we all know that the price changes are impacted to a degree by um, the last week's performance. But a 39 point performance. From Checo, great, but it doesn't, I guess, stack up to that 51 we saw in Austria or, you know, the 61 we saw in Baku. So I, um, I'm a little perplexed by it, even though that does drive, you know, prices every week. But as I think you've mentioned before, there's there's some kind of monkey at the keyboard or someone's just pushing a button and, you know, randomizing price adjustments because some of what we've seen so far is absolutely mind-boggling to me.
0: Every week, I sit down and try to make sense of the price increase math. I look at the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, raw points versus PPM versus who
1: scored in the top five. I can't make any sense of it. No, no. In terms of PPM as well, if we're looking at McLaren's um, the last few weeks heading into Belgium, I think you know they are far and away over the last three weeks the best value for money assets in the game at the moment. They've supplanted Aston Martin as the the second half of the meta or template bill whatever you want to call it and realistically is the probably the move for just about every engaged um player at the moment so you have to think if you're not um doubled up or tripled up that's definitely the approach heading into this weekend
0: and I think one of the biggest keys to success in this game is figuring out when the game shifts and adjusting to it and riding that wave and for us in 2022, that was when the the so-called Hackerman a- announced himself as as a guy who is influencing prices across the game. Once you started understanding the patterns of the price increases, your cost cap went up, and and many of us were able to ride it to victory last year. This year, I think McLaren, its ascent to the top of the grid, is that first big shift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a yeah a, a, a huge step change in the way people will approach each weekend um just in terms of value points potential and there have been a number of people that you know read the tea leaves in austria and got one or two mclaren assets which is now proving to be the difference three weeks on because these guys now have budget to run all three and there there are players like me that i don't think i have a bad budget but it certainly could be a lot better because i only jumped in on mclaren last weekend and the, the constructor is obviously the points machine, as you can see on the screen, 184, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, a, I've essentially been priced out of owning all three and having to make compromises in my team elsewhere because I can't obviously afford the ideal lineup that some people have. Yeah. You're seeing that teams are starting to
0: separate both in terms of points and budget. If you started them in Austria versus a Silverstone versus in Hungary versus not at all, and maybe starting to run them in Belgium this week, you're going to see big gaps in both points and cost cap that could be lasting for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, definitely. In terms of like a pivotal junction, not just the McLarens, but I think going back to how critical this race is and your decisions around team selection and chips, you're definitely going to see a lot in the way of price uh, changes, rank swings, and I think, you know, now at, you know, the, is it the third sprint race of the season? You know, plenty of chips are on the table because I just think, you know, after what we've seen in Austria with the extra DRS boost, um, you know, Limitless comes to the fray, Autopilot, extra DRS, they're all, they're all certainly um, options to, to consider. And, you know, I think just about every single one is worth some discussion, maybe some more than others. But realistically, it's, it's not just team dilemmas but chip dilemmas as well that are facing us this weekend
0: yeah this is the first time all season that people are thinking about using every single one of the chips it's a sprint weekend so people are tempted to use the 3x drs boost and the limitless it's a wet weekend so people are considering hedging their bets with no negative and autopilot people are trying to get mclaren into their lineup so maybe you use wildcard to to squeeze them in and then the final fix is just something in your back pocket for every race
1: yeah definitely i think that's the one chip that factors in it just about every race whether or not it warrants the same kind of weighting as others at certain races but i think chips like autopilot extra drs wildcard as you mentioned all very very valid in my opinion i'm less high on no negative on sprint race weekends and limitless in particular for this this week if you do decide to use it and bring in the mclarens which a, a, lot of people, engaged managers at least, are going to own. So I don't think the value is there quite as much. And then secondly, to the point where if you get them in this week, you're not going to, if you don't already own them, benefit from the price increases heading into next week, because the whole point of Limitless is that you get that one kind of super impressive team for one week, but your value increases are based on the team you had before activating the chip. So I think that's a little lower on my list, to be honest.
0: Same for me. I'm I'm keeping final fix in mind, especially because you can use it at any time between qualifying and the sprint shootout, sprint shootout and the sprint, sprint and the race. So you can really suss out things as they're happening per session. And we haven't talked about it yet, but with qualifying and the, the first practice on Friday, lineups lock a day earlier. We're going to have a lot less data to see how the cars look on track in Belgium. So it's going to be a very interesting decision, very last minute decision on how we set our lineups and what chips we use.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've talked to you about this already, but I, I think like, to be honest, the worst thing that one, just one practice session can do is skew our thinking at the last minute. I think right now, a lot of people are very high on McLaren and understandably so that, you know, with only one practice session, the first practice session as well, which is usually the most unpredictable, we could see McLaren somehow end up, you know, both drivers in the bottom five, bottom 10, for whatever reason. And then people get cold feet and then, you know, we all move away from them and then they have a blinder on, on Saturday and Sunday. So I think, to be honest, this this is one of the very few exceptions where I would just say don't give any thought to practice. Obviously, I think it has some weighting, but not nearly as much as it would in previous weeks because of the fact that, um there's only such a small amount of information and data that we can rely on to inform our decisions
0: I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on just the news and maybe I'll keep one eye on free practice on Friday just in case anything big happens and as as we look at the chips one of the big considerations is the weather and it's no secret that it's going to be wet every day and like I mentioned a minute ago the Friday forecast is important because that's your one practice session and you're qualifying to set the grid order for Sunday.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, just on, on the weather, it's, it's a huge factor, and Spar has historically been known for a few wet drives, um, namely that one, I think, a couple of seasons ago where we got two laps in. But um, you know, I think that opens the door for autopilot, potentially um, final fix if, if there's some risk on, on the race day. Um, and then I think that, for me, would deter me a little bit from activating the extra DRS. I've already used mine in Austria, as, as have you, but I think it's best used at a, a dry track um, like Circuit of the Americas, um, Qatar, maybe Brazil, but that also gets a little bit of rain too. So um, I think do approach chip usage with some degree of caution because of you know the, the weather in play this coming weekend. We still have half a
0: season, so there's plenty of time to use it for sure. With that, let's move on to our fan picks of the week. Let's get right into the first one. How many drivers DNF during the qualifying session? I'm going to say none. (laughs) I think... They'll be conservative enough. Like I think it'll be raining at the start of the session. They'll know to put the inters of the full wets on. There's a lot of runoff area on this track. So even if you go off track, I think it'll just be a
1: caution flag. I think I feel good with zero too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the the cowardly pick, but I also think it's probably the most logical pick too. So that's, that's my bet. I think as far as, um, as far as the, the risk with the weather, um, do you you think that's going to affect you know which which team ends up with more points by the end of the weekend in terms of Aston Martin and McLaren I'll tell you this I feel good about McLaren in the
0: rain just because I think going all the way back to Monaco that first time I was nervous about seeing rain on track and how drivers would respond to it Lando and Oscar really improved after the rain started falling and they've been consistent in the rain ever since so my movement toward mclaren this week i still feel good uh, wet or dry and and i think red bull are consistently strong in the rain too so the backbone of my team feels pretty good
1: yeah yeah i think um i didn't see that on the screen for the sprint specifically which team scores more points i still got to go with the, the men in form and for me mclaren seems like the obvious pick agreed and then
0: moving on to the third one for the grand prix which teammate has a better race finish it's the two Alpha Towers.
1: I am going to be biased and favor my countryman here, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, only because we saw some really encouraging signs from him last weekend. Sonoda, I think, you know, a great driver. He does quite well in sprint races um, as well, just because I think it might favor a little bit of his um, aggressive driving style. So I, um, I don't think it'll be quite as big a golf as some might expect, but I'm just going to be biased and go with my my boy Danny Rich.
0: I'll keep it interesting and go with Yuki. Okay. I think this will be Ricardo in the rain in his first sprint shootout where he has to use the Hards and SQ1, mediums and SQ2, and softs and SQ3. I think there's just enough weirdness where Yuki can can coast by him again this week. Cool. All right. Well, I hope for your sake you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and. It wouldn't be a fantasy formula episode if we didn't break down our lineups for this week. And you can see our first draft looks radically different. My lineup takes out Perez and has all three McLarens running. I I appreciate that there's lower points potential by taking Perez out. It actually cost me four points to get the extra transaction in. But I think there's much higher upside with the cost cap, if Aston Martin and McLaren have a good day, you could have five assets that are going up 0.5 or more.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I definitely agree with your approach there. I um, am, I, I. didn't really consider that build at all um, until you showed it to me. Um, I think the, the thing I've kind of been grappling with a lot lately is Perez. Um, I still, he, I'm a big believer of him as someone that has a very high points floor because he qualifies low, or when he does qualify low, obviously got the positions gained, the overtakes in his pocket, podium as well potentially on the table, and then that driver of the day for making that ascendancy up the grid. Um, if he does qualify well, obviously the points ceiling isn't quite as high, but it's still not low because he's got you know eight nine points in his pocket from qualifying. And then the points that you'd get from obviously finishing on the podium too. So I'm finding it quite difficult to sacrifice him at the expense of other people in my team. Obviously, the McLaren constructor I talked about, I need to get them in because I just think the intrinsic value with owning them is much higher than owning um, another McLaren driver. The compromise I would need to make um, is obviously the budget slot. And I know Bridger mentioned in the chat, obviously, Rick does well enough. Um, he's got. If he does well enough, he's definitely bound for a price increase. Uh, I definitely think that's possible and was surprised a little bit that it wasn't adjusted even a couple, uh, a couple hundred thousand after, um, after the last race, but I'm going to have to compromise on Rick, which kind of hurts me a little bit, tugs at my heartstrings just a little bit and get in Hulkenberg. I don't think Hulk is by any means the best budget driver. I'd say arguably probably the worst. Um, His his recent scores are absolutely appalling i think he's had back-to-back donuts and it doesn't fill me with any confidence but at the same time i want to focus on where i can actually maximize my points with assets like the mclaren constructor and worry less about where i'm going to lose or not score points so for me i think the the small sacrifice of owning hulkenberg and keeping Checo and getting in mclaren even at a minus four is worth it for me this week but again there's probably three or four different builds I'm weighing up right now. And I think it's as open as it's ever been this season because of budget that so many people are working with heading into Belgium. Absolutely. And you mentioned
0: Hulkenberg and as much as I personally like the guy and I like him on track, I'm, I'm definitely a big opponent of him for the fantasy game. I'll remind you his last four scores in fantasy are negative one, negative four, zero and zero. So it, it would definitely be, Looking heavy for you you'd be relying on Checo to, to get most of your points, but he's he's
1: good for it too. Yeah, yeah, he is. I think, yeah, it it's gonna take a pretty um substantial shift in my mentality or to approaching this weekend to move off Checo. But again, you know, I also like your build and um yeah, I I would say I'm probably like of the three I'm weighing up, my one is probably only like 40%. The other one I'm looking at with Albon is 40%, and yours is 20%. So it, you know, it could go all, all different ways at the moment.
0: And I'll tell you the if I get cold feet on this, what I'll pivot to is slightly different than yours. I bring back Checo. So it's Verstappen, Checo, Norris, and then two budget drivers. So both Alpha Tauri's or Ricardo Joe, something like that. So top heavy two budget drivers. Mm-hmm. Gotta have Red Bull and McLaren on the bottom.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's also a really good one because you've got, you know, three big heavy hitters that are all favourites to finish on the podium as we saw last weekend. So I think, you know, there's there's so much optionality out there at the moment and it's probably the most exciting time for the fantasy game this season because, you know, the first kind of five, six, seven, eight, nine races were all just cookie-cutter, you know, change-your-budget driver and hope for the best. But I'm really liking what we're seeing at the moment with McLaren obviously entering uh you know, the the forefront of our discussions with team selection.
0: So that's V1 of our teams, but I encourage everybody to keep an eye on us for the rest of the week. Rob is going to release his final thoughts video soon. And then throughout the week, both on FanAmp and our channel and on our Twitters, we'll be letting you know what our final teams and uh, chip pick selections are and, and any little nuggets of information we get along the way, we'll be sure to pass along to you
1: yeah yeah it's 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 an exciting it's exciting few days ahead last race before the mid-season break and if if I have an absolute stinker I get to I get to dwell on it for the next four weeks so let's let's hope it's it's not the case and we we head into the mid-season break with with a few points and a a healthy increase in our rank under our belt
0: so don't forget to tune in next time where Rob may or may not do a shoey, and I can expect at least one or two episodes during the summer break where we recap the first half and give a little preview to the second half of the season. Thanks again to FanAmp for putting on this show. Be sure to download the app and check us out. And until then, we'll see you next week.